0: Guys, this is hey Guys, this is Miriam, and this is Notorious Women podcast, a comedy, a comedy podcast. podcast about some of history's most notorious women. Notorious women. Yes, that, that was close, guys. Okay. we that. That's good. Fine. I mean, it's fine. pretty good. You know what? If anything goes wrong for now, uh, from now on, we can just be like, blame it on the corona. It's, you know, so. it's corona uh, that did that. Opening. Yeah. <laughs> Corona today. Hey listeners, how are you? As you can tell, we are on, uh, over, um, Zoom again this week. And we, uh, because yep. we want to keep the, you know, the episodes coming for you guys. We hope you all are doing well. We hope you all are washing your hands frequently and sanitizing. All the time. And also practicing social distancing. Um, yep. We hope
1: 16. you all are
0: well. I have a suggestion if you're
1: trying to practice social distancing but you're not like people aren't listening and you have children what you do is you act like you're disciplining your child you're like you know (laughs) Georgia six feet my god I mean children right I'm so sorry that you walked right up to her but obviously (laughs) it's her fault that's what I'm doing
0: People aren't practicing the social distancing. I I don't know. I really wish people would stop acting like they're on a vacation and, like, and just stay home and wash their hands and, you know. I
1: am full-time homeschooling my children, and I've started to online teach. Now, not even that much, but enough where balancing that and, like, my husband's job is, like, a little crazy, which is I'm grateful he still has a job. So this is not a complaint in any way. but I'm tireder than I was before, so
0: oh, I don't. Yeah, I I'm bet. not getting
1: this vacation.
0: Yeah, and then the stress on top of it, you know, like because everything's up in the air, like you know, stress? stress? I don't know. <laughs> Who? Yeah, no, it closed
1: down. It's yeah, illegal right now, so
0: yeah. So it's, so we are wishing all of our listeners, you know, Godspeed and we are with you in spirit and we are doing the show to entertain you. Yes, we are. And on that note, I think we should get started.
1: Let's um, do that.
0: I think I'm first this week. Okay. And, uh, last week we, we covered like the Spanish flu and da da da, but then I'm like, oh yeah. Week, people are probably coronavirus and Spanish flu virus and all this other stuff fatigued. So let's go back. That's what to I thought too. Fun, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this week, my notorious woman is Eleanor Roosevelt. One of my Girl! favorite women. Yes, love I,
1: love her. Her. I love her. I love her. Covered because... her in the movie Annie. <laughs> uh, oh, that's you, you remember?
0: Yeah. Oh. Right.
1: She was. She wanted to help the children.
0: She is one of Oh uh, Franklin.
1: Uh, Sorry, that's my impression. I will stop talking now.
0: Well, she is such a wonderful, she's one of my favorite women of all time. And she's one of our uh, favorite and most beloved uh, first ladies ever in the United States of America. And because she's so, she did so much in her life, so much good. um, She, this is a two-parter because I could not possibly do her surgery. I was going to, I was going to
1: ask about that because I was like, I keep all, I kept kind of almost doing her, but I was like, "Oh, she's gonna take forever." But yeah, we got time lot. now. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, so this is part one of Eleanor Roosevelt. Or Roosevelt. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so, Um, Eleanor Roosevelt was born Anna Eleanor Roosevelt on October 11, 1884, okay. in New York City, Manhattan. Wait, that was and her. She, that was her maiden name. Uh, yeah, she they're related. Distantly. Oh, yeah. awkward. Go on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So she was born to Anna Rebecca Hall and Elliot Bullock Roosevelt, who was Theodore Roosevelt's younger brother. Okay. So okay. Eleanor's father was the- Theodore Roosevelt's younger brother, so Theodore Roosevelt, the first President Roosevelt, is her uncle. What well, was his line? Yeah.
1: Talk quiet with a big stick? I speak softly but carry a big
0: stick. Yeah. There
1: you go. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. She's precious. Go so on.
0: Now, so, from an early age, she was. Uh, she preferred to be called by her middle name, Eleanor. So that's what people okay. called her mostly. Except her mother. Her mother Anna nicknamed her Granny because she acted in such a serious. Uh, she was a serious child. You know those children oh, act like adults. Yeah. So that's what yeah. Eleanor, little Eleanor, was like. Now, to make Hello. things a little bit more difficult for Eleanor, her mother Anna, so her parents were like blue blood, she she, well off. She was very, very well privileged. Um, she grew yeah. up into like, like the, the whitest of like, white. a, uh, like a Rockefeller, you know, like that's the kind of money uh, she came from. Um, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Um, she So her mother, Anna, having been, um, you know, of that ilk, because they married well. So her mother came from a well-off family. Her father came from a well-off connected family. So they they are like that, those kinds of people. Um, okay. And it said that her mother uh, was somewhat ashamed of Eleanor's plainness. And no. what it said about her looks. But to have your mother think that you're plain can't be a good feeling. I That's can't imagine. awful. That's just yeah. awful. Yeah. That's just not. So, mm-hmm. I know. I know. Cause, I mean, for your mother to think it is one thing, but for your mother to think it and say it is a whole nother thing. So, also, like, they feel, <laughs> they feel it. They feel yeah, it. Yeah, and also, too, their, their reaction
1: to your reactions to them mm-hmm. really do, and this isn't in people in general. Affect how beautiful you see them as.
0: Yes. They truly do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, because her family, like, like I said, her family came from immense wealth and privilege, and they were part of the New York high society called the Swells. So, upper crust, yes, darling. Mm. Um. And so, like, many. We families, are a couple of families, There's a lot of tea to be filled. In a lot of scandals going on behind the <laughs> um, So Eleanor was the oldest. She had two younger brothers, Elliot Jr. Uh, and Hall. Um, oh, Elliot Jr. and then Elliot. Uh, oh, da, 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 hold on. Mm, and Hall, another so a brother named Elliot Jr. and a brother named Hall. But then she had a half brother okay. named Elliot Roosevelt Mann through her father's affair with a servant. Oh, my God.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, he is. Oh, so, no. He
0: okay. Oh, yes, he So, now. And they Ellen named, Williams, they
1: both named, they, there's two Elliot
0: Juniors. Come on. Well, you know. Wow. The uh, the servant by the name of Katie Mann. Katie was like, I'll show She's you. She's like, his talking. name is Elliot Roosevelt. It's yep. Elliot. Yep. Oh, yeah. A junior. Okay. Yeah. I don't Probably know. Probably what she maybe. sounded like. <laughs> um, now, when she was just eight, when Eleanor was just eight, her mother died um on oh. December seventh, eighteen ninety two. And then um uh Elliot so he she died of like I think they said consumption, one of those old time diseases that a lot of people died of one of those and very I mean, rich Elliot,
1: person diseases, you know.
0: Well a lot of people died of this. Um and Elliot Junior her one of her brothers also died uh, the oh, following May. So her mother died in December of 1892, and then her brother died. One of her brothers died. Um, how did in May? How of did his brother die? He died of the disease with the mother. So what? They um, okay. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like it was one of those diseases where um, um, her mother. It was what was it? It was. Uh, it's called diphtheria. So the is oh yeah, um, yeah. So
1: so the next thing you like don't a- want your Tdap vaccine. The D in Tdap is diphtheria. Just diphtheria, so.
0: shouting out that. And these are very um, wealthy. People. It'll kill you. These are yeah. very wealthy people. But and if so you don't guy, have the vaccine, ain't nothing it makes gonna save you. Yeah. Yep. Now, after her mother died and her brother died, her father um was considered an alcoholic. He was confined to a sanatorium. Whoa. And then he died on August fourteenth, well, eighteen ninety four. The father these year rich people do died. not
1: have it together. I
0: mean now the father Come on, man. The father died apparently after jumping from a window during one of his fits of delirium uh, one of his delirious fits while he was in a oh Sanatorium uh, Yeah, sanitarium. So, you know, I, I wonder if mother- he actually
1: had like a mental illness. Yeah. As opposed to just alcoholism. Maybe alcoholism happened as a result of an actual mental illness that was totally ignored.
0: Probably. Yeah. So he had so he jumped from a window during a uh uh a tremor, but then he died later on from a seizure. So, it's just terrible. And again, these are rich people. Very, very well-off people. Um, So, you know, she at this time, she is about eight. So, she's about eight. Her mother dies when she's eight. Her brother dies when she's nine. And her father dies when she's ten.
1: God, that's
0: totally fucked up. Yeah. And because of that, she and her brother, her full brother, Hall, became really, really close, but she became very, very protective of him because he started oh. to suffer from – He was, um, uh, she was prone to, you know, depression throughout her life, um, and yeah. then her brother, Hall, became an alcoholic. Hey, hey, so, hey. Yeah. Now, um, before her father died, though, he then put the extra burden on a, a nine-year-old, to look after her brother Hall. So her whole life she oh was my God. very protective, acted as his mother. And um, so she doted on Hall, her brother, for the rest of his life. And when he enrolled at the oh. School in 1907, she accompanied him as a chaperone while he was attending. She wrote him daily. Um, and she always felt uh, guilty that he didn't have a fuller childhood and not her. Now, she was also a kid when her parents died. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So, like, honey, you needed a childhood really, Also, I know it's and it's really interesting for what comes on uh, later on. But he eventually, Hall, her brother, eventually um, got a master's degree in engineering from Harvard. So, oh, good. Went on to okay. do, yeah. Now, after the death of her parents, so she's all alone. She was raised in the household of her maternal grandmother, Mary Livingston Ludlow of the Livingston family, another cheesy blue blood family. <laughs> And Tivoli, Tivoli, New York, which I'm assuming that's like upstate somewhere. Um, It's it's pretty. (laughs) I think I've passed um, it on the train. Yeah, it's probably, I'm sure it's very she-she, you know. Um, Now, as a child, and this has been well documented, she was insecure because, you know, she knew she wasn't as pretty as people expected her to be. And she was starved for affection because her parents died when she was a little girl. Yeah, yeah. And she considered herself an ugly duckling. Um, But she did say, and this is why I love her so much, even though feeling that way, she wrote at age 14 that once prospects in life were not totally dependent on physical beauty. She wrote, quote, no matter how plain a woman may be, if truth and loyalty are stamped upon her face, all will be attracted to her, end quote. Oh, I love her. Wow, for 14. But no one right? is that
1: mature at 14. No. no. All you want to be is pretty at 14. I mean, my God. Yeah. I mean, now, I was filled with sex, too. Yeah, <clears throat> so I wasn't. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> now. Um, I mean, I
1: was, but I wanted to be pretty. <laughs> you were. Of course you were.
0: I know you were. Now. Oh, you know, that's Ellen- sweet. I have a lot of very thick glasses. Go on. No, you looking back now you'd be like, I was adorable. Um uh, now oh, yeah, I was, I was Eleanor like because she was, you know, from a well off family. She was tutored privately and her favorite aunt, uh, who was also the sister of Theodore Roosevelt, uh, so her uh, pater- her uh, uh paternal aunt by the name of Anna Roosevelt, but they called her Bammy. So Anna Bammy Roosevelt. Um, okay. So young Eleanor was struggling because I think her grandmother was old school, you know, and they probably reminded yeah. her that she was plain and da-da-da, but, you know, so she should focus on marrying well. So her favorite aunt, and this is where aunts do help and other family members uh-huh. help. Um, we need auntie. She intervened, on, she intervened on Eleanor's behalf when she was 15 to have Eleanor sent to a finishing school um, by the name of Allenswood Academy in Wimbledon, London, uh, in Wimbledon, England, outside. Oh, of okay. So, yes. Um, so it was world-renowned, and she, because her her aunt saw that she was very insecure, and so she thought if she went away, it would teach her independence, she would get a great education, and it would teach her, it would just get, help her with her confidence, and this yeah. is why it's good to have people in your life like that. You know, yeah, for real. Um, and she was able to intervene and convince the grandmother to let her go away. So because she felt like the aunt felt like if she were away from the the iron fist of the grandmother, she'd be able to. Yeah. And flourish. She was probably so trying to get went. her out from under there. Good. Yeah. So that's where she went, because I think her aunt had gone there when she was a young woman. So um, she now so she went there from 1899 to 1902. Now the headmistress by the name of Marie Silvestre, I know I butchered that, S-O-U-V-E-S-T-R-E, Silvestre, uh, who was this is good. a noted educator and she was known, this headmistress was known to cultivate independent thinking in young women. So that's another okay. reason, which I think is probably unusual for finishing schools, you know. So they didn't know really, yeah. how to, you know, dress and, and hold a uh you know, what kind of of cutlery there is and ho how to hold their their champagne glass. They taught them how to think. Um uh-huh. and apparently Marie, the headmistress took special interest in Eleanor. Um and Eleanor, while she was there, learned to speak French fluently and oh, wow. she gained um self confidence. You know? That's fantastic. And so she uh, actually, she and the headmistress maintained correspondence until uh, Marie, the headmistress, died in 1905. So after she had left the school, yeah. Um, And after Marie died, Eleanor placed a portrait of her on her desk and brought her letters with her. Um, And, you know, they said, you know, she, she was very fond of her. Now, Eleanor's cousin by the name of Corinne Douglas Robinson, who also went to um the Allenswood Academy, their their time there kinda of overlapped a little bit. So Corinne said okay. when she arrived at Allenswood, Eleanor was quote, everything at the school. She was beloved by everybody, end quote. So oh. she she really did flourish at, at Allenswood. Um and she really wanted to stay there for as long as she could, but her grandmother summoned her back in 1902 at the age of 17 to, so she could debut. So she's a debutante. Oh so my God, my grandma. Yeah. Lord. So after returning home, um, she was presented at a debutante ball at the Waldorf Astoria, um, Astoria Hotel on December 14th, 1902. She okay. was later given out her own coming out party, and she said of her debut of public dis- uh, discussion once, quote, it was simply awful. It was a beautiful party, of course, but I was so unhappy because a girl who comes out is so utterly miserable if she does not know all the young people. Of course, I right. had been so long abroad. Of course, I had been so long abroad that I had lost touch with all the girls I used to know in New York. I was miserable through all that, end quote.
1: I don't so, blame her. That sounds terrible.
0: Yeah, because none of her friends were there. So yeah. now, around this time, so she's back in New York, 17, doing all the parties and da da da, but she also got involved with the New York Junior League. Um, yeah, yeah. Founding, teaching, and so she was teaching dancing, calisthenics in the East Side slums. Oh, great. Um, that's my kind of gal. Yeah, and the organization. Um, uh, had been brought to a friend of hers, uh, to the attention of her by a friend of hers by the name of Mary Harriman. So she was like, you okay. get involved. And that's this is where the first time she was able to see and interact with people who are not privileged and who were downright poor.
1: Yeah. And
0: because of this experience, she was able, it would begin to sculpt her ideas about justice and equality later in mm-hmm. life. So... Uh now that same year in the summer of 1902 she met her father's fifth cousin Franklin Delano Roosevelt on a Ah yes, holiday. there he is. Yeah. So now soon after the two began a secret correspondence and romance. Now, uh just for uh context, Eleanor Roosevelt, Eleanor Roosevelt, excuse me, was 5'11. She's a very yeah. tall woman. Yeah. yeah. Um and back then that was a giant i mean five eleven is tall even today, but back then I mean women we were much like tighter. that just didn't nobody was
1: that tall. I mean, like people were generally a little bit shorter, yeah. so that was yeah,
0: yeah, so she was so she was probably not only considered when she was growing up, she probably was like five eight when she was like like twelve or something, oh yeah, and then she was like. <laughs> I'm an ugly dustling and everybody can see me, you know. So oh, um, but she's blossomed now into a young woman. So when her and Franklin, um so when they met in nineteen oh two, they began a secret correspondence in romance and they they became engaged the following year on November twenty second in nineteen oh three. Why was that secret? Um, I think that um, Franklin's mother this woman by the name of Sarah Ann Delano, she was yeah. a mama's boy. No woman uh, was her boy. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah. That feels and right. And, of course, she opposed the union and made her promise that the engagement would not be officially announced for a year. Um, and he later wrote, quote, I know what pain I must have caused you, he wrote to his mother of his decision. But he added, uh, I know my own mind. And known it for, okay. and known it for a long time, and now I could never think of otherwise, end quote. So, no other woman was good enough for it. Obviously, it couldn't have been of her station in life because, you know, they're all like blue bloods. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, like, what's the argument exactly?
0: Some women just don't like any woman, so. Um, yeah. Now, she. So she thought it would die out, and she actually took Sarah thought it would die out. So she actually took uh, Franklin on a Caribbean cruise in 1904, hoping that the separation would make the romance <laughs> with, uh, squash it. But mm, Franklin Mama's was kind of a common. bitch. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's, it kind of reminds me of um, Martin Luther King and Coretta. Like his family didn't think Coretta was good enough. For yes, <laughs> and the next thing you know, he married up. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But it didn't work, so the wedding date was set to accommodate um, President Theodore Roosevelt, who was scheduled to be in New York City for St. Uh, Patrick's Day Parade, and he agreed okay. to give the bride away. So Theodore Roosevelt okay. gave her away. So the couple married on March 17, 1905 at a wedding officiated That's by – That's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. That's right. That's honestly, yeah. Um her cousin Corinne from who also went to Allensworth was her bride maid, her bridesmaid, Theodore Roosevelt's attendance at the ceremony was of course front page. So their marriage, their wedding was on the front page of the New York Times and other papers. Wow. Yeah. Uh so when asked about the Roosevelt Roosevelt Union, the president Theodore Roosevelt said, Quote, It is a good thing to keep the name in the family end quote. <laughs> oh. Um He's like, um, Let it go yeah so they honeymooned they took a three month tour of Europe. That was their honeymoon. God, I wish people know how to honeymoon man. I tell you right months. that sounds yeah. that sounds about right three wow. three four months you know <laughs> I mean, it did take a lot longer to get to places back then, so but still, three I months. Guess, but still, my gosh, <laughs> now, now two weeks when they, three so days they to get there. When yeah. they returned to the U.S., they settled in a New York City house that was provided by Franklin's mother, as well ooh. as, a, as in a second residence at the family's estate overlooking the Hudson River and Hyde Park. Okay, you know, because you might as well have two, you know,
1: well, one I fancy think, one here okay. and one fancy one there.
0: Sure, sure. I think Franklin was a mama's boy, and he loved his mother, but his mm-hmm. mother was also uh I it not it like have a better, she's a terrible uh, mother in law. She's just, she's pushy and, you know, and here Eleanor is, who's probably starved for motherly affection and is also very young because he's yeah. nine. She is what? So she's 20, 19 or 20. 20, so, yeah. And this older woman, uh-huh. so so basically they moved in with their mother in law. Um it, Terrible. And her mother-in-law was controlling. Now, the townhouse that Sarah gave to them was connected to her own residence by sliding doors. And oh, Sarah my God. And both households in the decade after the marriage. Yeah.
1: I can't handle that. I yeah. would leave him.
0: <laughs> so, oh, now, my God. Uh, so Eleanor said to Franklin one time to explain how, you know, how much she was how much it was—it was just too much. He quote, he, she said to him, quote, "I did not like to live in a house which was not in any way mine, one that I had done nothing about, and which did not represent the way I wanted to live." But yeah, she, it is great. Yeah. She also, once they started having children, she also uh, wanted to control how they raised their children. No. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I can't with her. I cannot. And Eleanor once said of the of her her mother in law Sarah's like bullying basically. She said, quote, Franklin's yeah. children were more my mother in law's children than they were mine. <laughs> and uh-huh. her eldest son, James, remembered his, his grandmother telling him and her other grandchildren, quote, your mother only bore you. I am more your mother than your mother is. In quote. That bitch. <laughs> Alright, you know what?
1: God, there we go. I said it. That bitch. I mean, yeah, you, know, well, uh-uh. you know what?
0: Because Eleanor later said it's so interesting how she was with her younger brother, but she said she didn't really feel very, um, motherly. And I, I think it's because Sarah was in the way. I don't think she had any. Choice. I
1: mean, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, now, that was, that's like. Even, it's funny, like, when my, my mom was the best mom, and she was very respectful of what I wanted, like, for our kids, and, um, you know, when they were babies, kind of especially when they were babies, and how we wanted to, like, because we had two, we were on the schedule, and my mom just sort of never did that. but like, she was very, I remember her, like, being too careful almost, like, yeah. you know, like, feed him, or pick him up. It's fine. Are you sure I'm allowed to pick him up? You're allowed to pick up your grandchild.
0: You know, yeah. but it's... <sighs> yeah, well, not so, Yeah. Now, they had, Eleanor and Franklin had six children together. Six oh. children. And six later in life, babies. yeah, later in life, she once told her one of her daughters uh, that she disliked having sex with her husband. Oh, uh, and she God. told her, "quote It was an ordeal to be born." A lot of women felt that way about sex. A lot of women, felt yeah, that way about sex back then. But so the women weren't getting there. Well, because the there.
1: well, yeah, exactly. Because men weren't caught like, hey, she's more yeah. than just a vessel. Yeah, yeah.
0: And she make her happy, was, and you know what happens if she happy, you're happier.
1: So right.
0: no, but not back then. A lot of women complain about that now. Eleanor also said she considered herself ill suited to motherhood, which is so interesting because of her relationship with Hall, her younger brother. Uh she but maybe that's wrote, probably why. You I know what I mean? A, I think it's the mother in law. I think I mean, that's what I think. Yeah, but really also she has to children. like
1: parent but yeah, mm-hmm. no, if if your mother in law is like basically pulling the babies out of your arms, you're not Yeah. You're really not gonna be able to bond.
0: Yeah, and so she later wrote about that quote. It did not come naturally to me to understand little children or to enjoy them. End quote. <laughs> oh, oh. Now, meanwhile, so here, here she,
1: I am, a kindergarten teacher. Go on.
0: Well, here she is. She's a young woman. This this very uh, bullying mother-in-law comes in, takes over, and you're like, ah, she's just having babies, six children. She was busy, and then in September of 1918. Uh, So they've been married now since 1905, so they've been married 13 years. She was unpacking one of Franklin's suitcases when she discovered a bundle of love letters to him from her social secretary by the name of Lucy
1: Mercer.
0: Franklin had been contemplating leaving his wife, Mercer. However, following pressure from his political advisor, Louis Howe, and from his mother, who threatened to disinherit him if he followed through with a divorce, <laughs> the couple <laughs> remained married. What? So, so
1: wait, how does she feel about this? Because after well, I
0: cut off his penis, I would then want a divorce. That's what well, she said. What well, she said? Their union from that point on was more of a political partnership. She was disillusioned. Um, so she began to mm. get active in public life again, and she focused increasingly on her social work rather than her role as a wife. Because so imagine, 13 mm. years, you know, pop out all these babies, you had to deal with this this, this pushy uh, mother-in-law. And then this you find all these love letters, and he's talking about leaving you. Mm. Mm.
1: Uh-uh. Yeah. And she's 33. She's only 33. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, my God. You're like, really? No. Yeah. Tell me what else I need to
0: do. Yeah. Now, in 1920, after Governor James M. Cox of Ohio won the, uh, the party's presidential nomination at the, uh, DNC, at the DNC, the uh, Democratic National Convention, he chose Franklin as his running mate and the party formally okay. nominated uh, uh, Roosevelt as VP. Unfortunately, the cox roosevelt ticket was defeated by Republicans Warren G. Hardy and Calvin Coolidge in the presidential election yeah. by a wide margin. Um, and okay. the Republican ticket carried every state outside of the South. Now, the 1920 election also saw the first public participation of Eleanor, who, with the support of Lewis Howe, established herself as a valuable political ally. Okay. So, now, in August of 1921, the family was vacationing at uh, Campobello Island, New Brunswick, Canada, when Franklin was diagnosed. With a paralytic illness, at the time believed to be polio. So during was it polio? uh, Yeah, a lot of people think it was Uh, during his illness, though. uh, Through her nursing care, so Eleanor stepped up as a wife, even though he had been thinking about leaving her. And I don't understand. But go on. (laughs) All of his doctors said that it was Eleanor because of Eleanor's uh, dedication to getting him better. and well, um, he survived death. Wow. His legs remained paralyzed, though permanently. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, now when the extent of his disability became clear, Eleanor fought a battle with his with her mother in law over the future, persuading him to stay in politics. So Eleanor wanted him to stay in politics because she knows that's what he loved, and she probably knew he needed something to fight for in life.
1: Yes. Know? Yes.
0: Um, but his mother. 'Cause he's a mama boy. She wanted him to retire and become a country gentleman. So, oh my God. Mama, um, go away. Go knit something. Yeah. You're done here. Bye. But uh Franklin's physician, Dr. William Keene, he said that um if it wasn't for Eleanor, he he definitely would have perished, Franklin. And he even said to her, quote, you have been a rare wife, and have been and have borne your heavy burden most bravely," he said, proclaiming her uh-huh. one of my heroines. End quote. Uh-huh. so, yeah, now this proved a turning point in Eleanor and Sarah's long-running struggle, as also because around this time Eleanor's public figure, uh, pu- public figure out in a uh, role grew. People um, started to admire her. So she was able to break away from her mother in law's control. Nice. Um, and it also tensions between Sarah and Roosevelt, uh, and Sarah and, and Eleanor over her new political friends rose to the point that the family constructed a cottage at um Valkill in which Eleanor and her guests lived when Franklin and the children were away from Hyde Park. So when Franklin and the kids were away Eleanor was like, I can't stay in the house with this crazy lady. She driving me crazy. So she had another thing on the property, another house on the property. I mean was okay, was Franklin sleeping with her? Um, I, I don't think they probably slept together, um after okay. she found out about I mean maybe they did, maybe they reconciled sexually after but you know, he's paralyzed, so it was like you know, but yes. I also think he started to really admire his wife. Um Yeah. Big surprise she was she loved me and you know. Um, who knows how this other be on the side, uh, yeah, you know, he became paralyzed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, by all accounts, I mean, he always thought she was really smart and she always had great ideas before that, but after that yeah. thing, how she took care of him, it really did change the nature of their relationship and they became very, very mm-hmm. close. Um, I had heard that Franklin had mistresses even after he was paralyzed, so perhaps, they no longer had a, a sexual relationship, but well, who knows? You never know what goes on in people's and, lives. And maybe yeah. she
1: was like, "That's fine. Do what you got to do. I don't yeah. want to touch you anyway."
0: Especially she didn't do yeah. sex, so yeah. Um, so she built another house called Valchil, and it was um, right. loosely translated okay. as "waterfall stream" from the Dutch language, common to the original European settlers of the area. So um, okay. Now Franklin encouraged. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Franklin <laughs> encouraged Eleanor to develop this property as a place where she could implement some of her ideas for work with winter jobs okay. for rural workers and women. Each year, she held a picnic at Val Kill for delinquent boys. Uh, her granddaughter, Eleanor Roosevelt Seagraves, assisted her and and kept, you know, many of her causes going after Eleanor had passed. So she's really close to oh. the granddaughter. Um that's okay. Yeah, so he, because again, I and I had heard this before. By all accounts, he really respected her opinion, and he thought she was so yeah, bright. She had great ideas, and so he encouraged her, and she really enjoyed it. So, now in 1924, she campaigned for Democrat Alfred E. Smith and his successful reelection bid as governor of New York against the Republican nominee and her first cousin, Theodore Roosevelt Jr. Oh my God. So, <laughs> Franklin has spoken out on uh, Theodore Roosevelt Jr.'s, quote, wretched record" as assistant secretary of the Navy during the Teapot Dome scandal. Look that up. That's a big deal. And in return. Oh, yeah, I think
1: that sounds right. That sounds familiar. Anyway, go on.
0: Yeah, so the family split, like, because they thought, oh, you're Roosevelt, you should stick together. They were like, "Mm, nope, nope. so, I mean, I think we all can look at
1: our family and get that.
0: I'm just saying. Yeah. Right? She, yeah. But she also went on the campaign trail, and she, like, actively, like, dissed him, a dra- as the young kids would say, dragged him, like, on Twitter. And they like, <laughs> yeah. oh, they got dragged. She dragged him throughout the campaign. Um, and she, like, she called him immature, all these, you know, she later right. would say that she um uh, she would regret these methods, um, and admitting that they were below her dignity, but saying that they had been contrived by the Democratic Party dirty trickster. So she she went in on him, she dragged him like continuously. Yeah. And then later on she was like, Yeah, that was a bit much. Um, now Theodore never forgave her. And then her aunt, remember her um her favorite yeah. aunt? Uh, publicly broke from her after the election as well.
1: Oh and wow! She wrote to her
0: niece. She wrote to her niece, quote, I just hate to have Eleanor let herself look as she does. Though never handsome, she always had to me a charming effect. But alas and lackaday, since politics have become her choicest interest, all her charms have disappeared. End quote. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. But eventually they reconciled. You know. They did. Um, okay, good. Yeah, and um yeah, and like later on, um her eldest daughter, Eleanor's eldest daughter, Alice, also broke with her over a campaign and they reconciled as well. So after um Okay Alice's Yeah, so like but it's it's interesting that she wasn't afraid to go against family members if she thought they weren't right they weren't correct either. So I
1: um
0: oh. Now beginning in I mean sometimes your family's wrong, you. Yeah? <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of people going through that now. Uh now beginning yeah. in 1925, um she spent most of her time in um no actually uh, Franklin spent most of his time in the Southern United States. Uh at first on his houseboat the La Rocco, intrigued by the political benefits of hydrotherapy, he established a rehabilitation center at, in Georgia in 1926. Oh, okay. um, to create the Rehabilitation Center, he assembled a staff of physical therapists and used most of his inheritance to purchase the Meriwether Inn. In 1938, um, Roosevelt founded the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, leading to the development of polio vaccines. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's good. We like yeah, that. that's yeah, now um, now he also made contact with the Democratic Party during the 1920s and he remained active in New York politics and while establishing contacts in the South. Now, in 1924 at the DNC, he gave a speech which, which publicly re- uh, marked his return to public life following his illness. Um, okay. And so because the illness happened in what, 21? Yeah, in 21. So in 24, three years later, he came back to that uh to politics. Now, through now. So he um now he became um hold on. Okay. So in 1928 he also gave another speech at the DNC and he actually won his bid for governor of New York. Um so he ran for governor from New York City in 1928, and okay. he won. And so they moved into the governor's mansion in Albany, New York. Now, during his term as governor, Eleanor traveled widely in the state to make speeches and inspect state facilities on his behalf. Because again, he was okay, and he was still paralyzed. Reporting right, her findings right. to him, reporting her findings to him at, at the end of each trip. So again, he had to rely on her, and he really thought she was really intelligent and she had a lot of insight. And what I love about her is that this is where her, because a lot of women of her ilk never went down to the poor part of town. They didn't know no, no. what it was like. Absolutely no, absolutely. Yeah. So this is what yeah. I really admire about her. So now in 1927, she joined uh, friends Marion Dickerman and Nancy Cook in buying the Todd Hunter School for Girls. A finishing school oh. also offered college preparatory courses uh, in New York City. Now at the school, she taught upper-level courses in American literature and history emphasizing independent thought, current events, and social engagement. All right. Isn't that amazing? So this is yeah. – Yeah. So – You have to do that. She established Val Kill Industries with Cook Dickerman and Carolyn O'Day, three friends she met through her activities in the women's division of the New York State Democratic Party. It was located okay. on the banks of, of the stream that flowed through the Roosevelt family estate in Hyde Park. Um, Rose, she and her business partners financed the construction of a small factory to provide supplemental income for local farming families who would make furniture, uh, pewter and homespun cloth using traditional craft methods, methods. That's Capitalizing, so cool. yeah, on the popularity of the colonial revival. So they kind of had a hipster revival of their own then. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> Most of the Val products were modeled on 18th century forms. She promoted Val through interviews and public appearances and, and creating a way for these families to make extra income. Um, and um, But it never became a subsistence program that, you know, they wanted it to become. But it did pave the way um, for a larger New Deal initiative during Franklin ah. Roosevelt's presidential administration. So, yeah, she started oh. all of this before he became governor and continued throughout. And it didn't quite reach, you know, widespread um to go as pop get as popular did like, but that that plan is a seed in her mind for later on when um Franklin becomes president. So that's the end of part one of Eleanor Roosevelt. I'm gonna end it at that in nineteen twenty eight. Uh um, all right. Yeah. So that's Eleanor Roosevelt, I,
1: one of my favorite, funny favorite. To meet women
0: of all time.
1: She's amazing. Like, what you covered today is very much like stuff I had no idea. You know, like, that's, like, I, I didn't know where she came from, really, and, and I mean, I'm probably very ignorant, but I did not know she was born with the last name Roosevelt. Yeah. But I think fifth cousin is, yeah, kind is kind okay. of okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll write notorious so, woman? My notorious woman is—I love telling you where I get inspiration, and sometimes this is googling things. But did you watch the series? Um, I don't know what it's called, but it's—it's um, it's a Netflix. It's new with—it's uh, the something of Madam C.J. Walker. I don't know what it's yes, exactly called. Yes, that's what I was
0: watching before I got on with you.
1: Girl, did you finish it?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if
1: you have, if you want to see it, there might be like a little bit of spoilers in my lady. Because yeah, so, like I, pow- I powered through it. It's very easy to power through series right now. Um, so good. I love it. It's so good. It's yeah. so and if you're like, "Oh, I don't want something so dark." It's not dark. It's like it's, it's not at all. there's it's some, very
0: inspiring. It, it's like
1: a little little moments of darkness, but like I mean, you know, there's Reality, but but it's, like, lovely, and there's, like, musical numbers, and it's fun, and it's, again, exactly very inspiring. So I'm not yeah. doing Madam CJ Walker, because I thought that was too easy. Also, okay. go see that. Also, when you're done with it, you can go be like me and be like, what's true versus what's not true? Uh, right, and they're right. very honest about it. The series is like, this is inspired by her. Like, this is a, not everything actually happened. But if you watch it, she has oh my god, I can't remember the name of Addie May, right? Addie mm-hmm. May is her rival. And I was like, <laughs> I gotta find out about this Addie Mae. And so <laughs> I am gonna talk about Addie May. Addie May I'm so glad does not glad. actually exist. She okay. is inspired by a woman named Annie Malone Turnbow. So I'm going to talk about her. And I'll talk okay. a little bit about, like, what actually went on between them. It's not what it looks like. Um, okay. But she, but I will say Annie Malone, who inspired that character, did a lot. Like, far more than, I'm like, she could have her own miniseries. I'm throwing that out there so that they make it. And I'm pretty sure I have a lot of influence that way. So it's, like, already done. You understand. Yes. Okay. So thanks for humoring me, Lavetta. Uh Annie Minerva Minerva Turnbow was born in southern Illinois. She is the daughter of enslaved Africans Robert and Isabella Turnbow. Uh, her father went off to fight for the Union with the first Kentucky Cavalry in the Civil War. Uh, and her mother, Isabella, took their took her children, took their children and escaped from Kentucky, which it was a neutral border state that maintained slavery. So uh, mm. after, which is almost the worst, right? Yeah. Because they're like, we're not going to fight, but we like slaves. Like, bitch, at least pick a side. You know what I'm saying? When you're neutral. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: you ain't neutral when you have slaves, okay?
0: You have a very clear no. opinion. So, like we want all the benefits so, but we don't
1: have to like we don't wanna to have to
0: defend it. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly.
1: But we just like wanna own people. What's wrong? Yeah.
0: Uh okay. all the benefits of free labor but not have to uh-huh. pay for it. That to with, like, do anything to keep it. Yeah. Bitch, you gotta
1: stand up and say out loud that you wanna own people. Oh can you do yeah. that? No? And then sit down nope. and stop it. Um So they traveled down the Ohio River and found refuge in metropolis, Illinois. Um, And that is where Annie was born, and she was the 10th of 11 children. I am just so impressed with these people having 11 children whilst running away from slavery. I just, wow. I I mean, antibiotics weren't even invented. And they're just, and they're, really? Really? And they just do know, it. Right? And it's, I mean, I got to stop complaining about homeschooling. I really do. Like, my God, I'm going to let that go. Eleven <laughs> children while on the run, like she's given birth. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Okay. So Annie was born on a farm near a metropolis in Massac County, Illinois. She was, unfortunately, orphaned at a young age. All these people orphaned at young ages. Um. Oh. She attended public school. I don't know what happened to her parents, but I mean, I have a solid idea with her father off at war. Um, yeah. uh, she went to a public school before moving in 1896. Well, I don't know when she was born. Like, you know, right after slavery ended, something like that. Um, okay. I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, uh, I'm guessing about 1880. Okay. So like solidly after, yeah. um, and, uh, she went off to live with her older sister, uh, named Agda Moody in Peoria. Uh, she oh. went to high school there and she took particular interest in chemistry, but she was oh. ill a lot. And so she had to withdraw from classes. Now, I, I don't know what her illness was. Mm-hmm. I mean, It could have been one of those things, you know, when you get mono or you get things where, like, you'll grow out of it, you'll be okay. But... Hey, hold on. I might cough. Okay. <laughs> as far as I know, y'all, it's not the COVID. But who knows? I don't know. <laughs>
0: don't you worry. Don't know, I'm six
1: feet away from everybody, and I'm mostly inside. Yes. So when she was out of school, so she was home, she grew very fascinated with hair and hair care. And so she would practice hairdressing with her sister. So she was, remember, obsessed with chemistry and then became obsessed with hair care. She began to develop her own hair care products. So at the time, um, women were using things like goose fat, heavy oil, soap, or baking grease. I did not know this. To straighten curls, which was damaging to both the scalp and the hair. Right. Which is, if right. you watch the mini series that we are both highly recommending, um, yeah, yeah. they kind of go into that, which is, there, there are a lot around. of reasons.
0: You know, because now we have, yeah. um, you know, we have uh, mini products, we have shea butter, and, you know, mm-hmm. and, but, mm mm. Yep. Not back then. And I Googled it, you have. can still
1: get Madam CJ Walker uh products. Yes I you
0: can. You I think so too.
1: Um but I think it's interesting too, it tells you like white women had hair things, mm-hmm. but nobody was looking to market to black women to become beautiful. Right. Like it's not that there wasn't a want and a need. Um but the people like in the people who had any sort of power just, it just didn't occur to them. Right. So it did, it did require um, people to have, you know, someone else to care. And so she cared and she figured some things out which I'm like, just this part with expertise in both chemistry and hair care. She figured Mm -hmm. this shit out. Like, that's amazing. Like I could stop there and like, what? Wow! I-, I know and I didn't learn anything. I really should have failed because I don't. You don't ask me any questions about it. I have no idea. Actually, no. I got a B because I studied a little. This is this is how I <laughs> this is how I got through high school. Do as I say, not as I do. Um, so by the beginning of the 1900s, she moved with her older siblings to. Uh, Lovejoy, which is now known as Brooklyn, Illinois. Um, oh, while experimenting that. with hair... What's that? No, I said that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um And she experimented with different hair products. She developed and manufactured her own line of non-damaging hair straighteners, special oils, and hair stimulant products for African-American women. She named her new product Right?
0: She just like and they did it. Yeah, to those people who are like, Black people are never do anything, all they do is sit around and wait for handouts and da da and I'm like, I know that's not true and here's this woman, I mean, a black woman with no resources is like, she figured this stuff out.
1: I mean that's probably why I wanted to work uh, to talk about someone else because I think everybody kind of knows Madam C J Walker. Right? right? Like, mm-hmm. even if you don't like Really know you've, you've heard her, you heard of yeah. her. She yeah. was the first female millionaire, yeah. Um,
0: self made, self made, self made woman. Came from, right, she was the first self made American woman, black or white, millionaire. Yep, not yep. she didn't inherit so it until she made it herself.
1: She she came from less than nothing and she yeah. fought real hard and yeah, yep. which I'm. But I was like, let's talk, like, she wasn't even the only one, right? And this woman truly invented this stuff. She created it, and then she sold it. Mm-hmm. Um, she named it Wonderful Hair Grower, and to promote her new product, she sold the Wonderful Hair Grower in bottles from door to door. Her products and sales began to revolutionize hair care methods for all African Americans. So, like, by doing this, it it brought awareness to the need of this and that the idea that all women want to look good and how it affects everything, much mm-hmm. <laughs> money they make, what kind of jobs they could get.
0: Right. Yeah, which I didn't even think about until I was watching the series. I was like, yeah, if your hair looks a mess. You can't get a job in a, that pays better, that, that's in a nice, yeah. like a nice hotel. You know, you're stuck in the field.
1: You know? I mean, I mean I've,
0: that. yeah, like you can't,
1: you have to look nice. You have to look for, I mean, I've had, yeah. I mean, I'm not comparing myself to women back then, but I remember having, when I started to temp in New York City, and some jobs, they were like, you need to dress. And I was like, I, I can't afford to buy these clothes. Like, I know, right. like, you're paying me $14 yeah. an hour, so no, but, um, but it's true. Like, the nicer you look, the more options you have. And that's just true. Yeah. Yep. Um, so in 1902, she moved to a thriving St. Louis where she and three hired assistants sold her hair product from door to door. Um, She would also, part of her marketing was she'd give away free treatment to attract more customers. In 1902, she married a man named Nelson Pope. In 1907, she divorced a man named Nelson Pope. That's all I know (laughs) about Nelson Pope. Right. They married, they changed their minds. On April 28, 1914, she married a man named Aaron Eugene Malone, who was a former teacher and a religious book salesman. Um, by then, she was worth well over a million dollars, wow. and she built a five-story multi-purpose facility. So she's a little bit behind C.J. Walker, Madison C.J. Walker, yeah, but, but no, yeah, she's right next. I mean, like they're neck and neck. Not that it's a competition, but you know. Um, no, but that's,
0: I mean, these two black women who came from humble beginnings. Make money from something that they created that's amazing that's amazing i mean
1: i I think that that's i mean that's inspirational for all humans right like that's just really cool, that's amazing
0: for anybody but especially women and especially black women at that time yeah
1: i mean you know. the the things that they had to overcome are well beyond what most people have to overcome. Day in our first world life, I think, mm-hmm. there are parts of the world where it's still probably about that hard.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but it's just really inspiring that she, and also Annie seems to be, to me, just really curious and interested. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And because mm-hmm. of that, and that she's, been, her tenacity, she just got very successful. Um, there was a high demand for her products in St. Louis. So she opened her first shop on 2223 Market Street in 1902. Wow. Um, And part of how she got big was she had a wide advertising campaign in the black press. She had news conferences, and she toured many southern states, and she recruited many women who she trained to sell her products. One of her selling agents was, in fact, Sarah Breedlove Davis, who you might know as Madam C.J. Walker. Um, yeah. And, to, and they opera, she operated in Denver, Colorado, until a disagreement led Walker to leave the company. Ms. Walker took the original Toro formula and created her own brand of it. Yeah. Which it seems like in the miniseries, it's like a little different. They try to like make her look like, you didn't let me sell, but... That's not actually what happened.
0: But you know, but you know, it's interesting they brought that up because I, I don't, we're not, what did, uh, what's her name look like? Was she a lighter skinned woman? Um, uh, uh, I
1: don't know. Good question. Because in the
0: series, Annie I wondered about that. Yeah, I wondered about that because that, that's a real thing. And I was really surprised that they actually put that in the series. Like well, it was funny. Like yeah.
1: Because I, um, no, she wasn't. I I'm looking at a picture of her now. She I don't know. Maybe it's all because that's a real tell. <laughs> I could definitely see somebody. Maybe she was a little bit lighter skinned, but maybe.
0: So, but if well, you well, look I'm, at a picture of Madam C. J. Walker, I don't. I don't. No, Madam Madam C. J. Walker was definitely a brown skin woman. Not the picture on the right. uh, the famous picture uh there's a picture of her in her car yes. and that's i think that's more probably how, what she really that's looked like versus the famous. advertising and yeah in the black community even if a person is just a little bit lighter than you sometimes they would try and lord that over you so that's a real so person. i'm looking a, it, what's what's hard to tell is that These
1: are like old grainy black and white pictures. I know. It's hard to tell. So I'm like, she, you know what? I would, I would take a guess that she's a little bit lighter
0: skinned. And sometimes though, it's not even that she, sometimes dark skinned people perpetrate that on other dark skinned people. And her saying to her, well, you don't have the right look to sell my product. Yeah. You don't have. But she never
1: actually said that. So there's
0: that. Yeah, there's that. I don't because, know how yeah. much of it is is uh, cause I don't want to um you know uh, besmirch the reputation of this woman. I'm so happy to hear that she was just as successful. Um, that she was able to create an empire for herself. I mean, becoming a millionaire is a big deal yeah. nowadays, but back then, from something that she created, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, amazing.
1: I have to say, I I think that there. Was value in, in when they created this mini series of create, I mean, it's a story. And it's, and they're not even like, this isn't, there's, there's like, this is inspired by this. This isn't exactly mm-hmm. what happened. They were very, very clear. But I do think it, it brings up, I thought that mini series did a good job of sort of bringing up these were real issues. These were real things that women said mm-hmm. to each other that still probably come up. And so I think it, it's worth kind of going there. Because this is, this is what happens. And I love when she's like, my, my face is going to be on everything we sell. And then yeah. I, I Google, I, I'm Googling a lot. Everything, anytime anything's like a little historical, I look up everything. <laughs> cause I, cause I do that. Um,
0: cause I had to her husband, um, CJ, I heard it was his idea to put her face on the canister. He was like, people are I'm not mean, gonna be wrong. He was like, People are inspired by your story, use your story. Because up until that point, most advertising um any beauty product that was there weren't that many that was geared towards black women tended to use white models whose skins were artificial so it was just a darker print of the white model. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, it didn't look it didn't
0: so when Madam yeah. came out and her picture was on the packaging. That's why it was so like revolutionary to a lot of people, a lot of black people. Yeah, you know. Um, so.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, where am I? Sorry.
0: That's okay, but um but no, um the, the, but the it but I don't really know fiction. The T V series is fiction. Yeah. And so But there's you know. some
1: truth and like it's in yeah. this day and age, like if you really want to know, like, go look it up, it's easy. But it was a really fun I loved it. Um it and so you know, inspired I mean, I,
0: by a true story. Um, but
1: according to this she did take that original formula. Now you know when you're reading Wikipedia and then, like someone clearly like went to add something because they had something to yeah, say. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, And it's yeah. like,
1: so this is I'm gonna I'm gonna share this with the caveat that it's clearly someone angry. <laughs> the spelling is wrong. Grammar is off. Mm-hmm. So I changed it. Don't worry. But she says that someone says that Miss Annie Malone is the first person to make hair products for Black women and got little credit for this accomplishment. Um, I don't know if like that's a hundred percent true. I've heard yeah. that there were more, and that yeah, yeah, these the the, the 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 formula that she created was something people used. So she put it together herself, and it worked really well. Clearly, but like, it wasn't like nobody ever had anything ever, and then she came and created it. And yes. then Madam CJ Walker stole it. Like it was a little more convoluted than that.
0: Yeah, that's what I had heard. i <laughs> heard that there were many women selling that had products like that. Um Yeah. Uh Annie was one of the ones that uh, uh had the idea, the business model of using other women to sell it. And that's what women did, like Tupperware, yeah. Avon, da, 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 uh-huh. all that uh still do of it, stuff, you know. We talked and about so... that before. And then, yeah, and then Madam actually even uh, took that a, a lot further where she opened up schools so women could basically franchise and create wealth right. for themselves as well.
1: And which so. they did. They were successful at it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat>
1: um, so because this happened, she decided to copy copyright her products, which, mm. you know, lesson learned, Right. Um, yeah. and she did it under the name Poro. Um, because of what she called fraudulent imitations and to discourage counterfeit versions. Poro, P-O-R-O, was a combination of the married names of Annie Pope, her, and for a, for like a minute, right? And her sister was, was Laura Roberts. Um, oh, okay. <clears throat> in 1910, she had moved to a larger facility, 3100 Pine Street. Um, and in addition to a manufacturing plant, it contained facilities for a beauty college, which she named Poro College. The building included a manufacturing plant, a retail store where products are sold, business offices, a 500-seat auditorium, dining and meeting rooms, a roof garden, dormitory, a gymnasium, a bakery, a bakery, right, and a chapel. Wow. This is amazing. Uh, it served the African-American community as a center for religious and social functions. Um, wow. The college's curriculum was addressing the whole student, which I love to hear. They were coached on personal style for work, on walking, talking, and a style of dress designed to maintain a solid persona. Um, which is probably a little annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, That's amazing. They, I mean, right? None of this was clearly. <laughs> I'm like, wow. She really should be sort of talked about like a little bit more, right? Well, Madam just had a, well
0: Madam's husband, CJ, was a, a advertiser. He was a, a yes. She just had better better advertising. Yeah, she really did. Yeah,
1: because it's it's literally the same product. Yeah. Um, but the college employed nearly two hundred people in St. Louis, um, and it created jobs for almost seventy five thousand women in North and South America, in Africa, and the Philippines. Wow. By the 1920s, she had become a multimillionaire. In 1924, she paid income tax of nearly $40,000, which was the highest in Missouri. Uh, she apparently lived modestly and gave thousands of dollars to the local black YMCA and the Howard University College of Medicine in D.C., she also donated money to the St. Louis Colored, St. Louis Colored Orphans Home, which she served as president on the board of directors from 1919 to 1943. Um, with her help, in 1922, the home bought a facility at 2612 Good Avenue, uh, which was renamed Annie Malone Drive in her honor. Uh, it's still there in the historic Ville, Ville neighborhood, V, Via Ville, Ville V I L L E. Uh, it's been upgraded and expanded, and now it is named the Annie Malone Children and Family Service Center. Aww. Uh She always ensured that her employees, who were all African americans were paid well and given opportunities for advancement. Um, oh, I love her! Isn't she
0: the best? I now love her. her
1: business, her business, thrived until 1927 when her mm-hmm. husband gotta be a man, Mm-mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh filed for divorce. Um, and since he served as president of her company, he demanded half of the business's value based on his claim that his contributions had been integral to its success. So a man's gonna man. What are you gonna do? Yeah, hey, girl. Yeah. But it's not so bad. So the divorce suit uh forced Poro College into a court-ordered receivership, but with support from her employees and powerful figures, such as Mary McLeod-Bethune. We've all heard of her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We should do her one day. Uh, yeah, she negotiated yeah, yeah. a settlement of $200,000. So this affirmed her as the sole owner of Poro College and the divorce granted. So oh, good, it worked out. But what a dick. Yeah. Um, and after the divorce, she moved most of her business to Chicago's South Parkway. She bought an entire city block, which is badass. Wow. And this is what it says: other lawsuits followed. I have no idea why, but Ugh. she she was okay in 1937. Of uh, the great the Great Depression was mm. going on when a former empl- employee filed suit. Um, and also claimed credit for her success Uh, mm. to raise money for the settlement. She had to sell her St. Louis property. Um, well, she sold part of it, so it was reduced in size. But her business continued to thrive. Um, I wonder about all these lawsuits. That's I, you know,
0: I'm just wondering. You know, like haters gonna hate. Like you, like anything that's successful, you hear a lawsuit about. Um and that's why I yeah. spend a lot of money on lawyers. Like you know, there may be some like yeah. you know um, um you know, there may be some validity to some of it, but what these people are asking for sometimes it's like you've got to spend it's money usually on not. and yeah. what it does is it, it it takes your energy away from growing the business and continually to grow it. And then now you have to do this thing where you're, like, defending, you're spending your time defending this thing. And, you know, it's just a pile on. And, yeah, this is why a lot of times they'll squash it, like, really powerful people. Sometimes you have to get ruthless, I think, after a certain time to to keep this kind of stuff from happening. From them basically
1: deciphering. Yeah, because like, really? Yeah. Yeah yeah um, so, so she was named an honorary member of Zeta Phi Beta sorority, and she was oh. awarded an honorary degree from Howard University uh, on may tenth nineteen fifty seven She suffered a stroke and she died at Chicago's Provident Hospital. She was childless um, she mm-hmm. bequeathed her business and remaining fortune to her nieces and nephews at the time yeah. of her death. her estate was valued at a hundred thousand dollars. So all of this, all of these lawsuits, she still, she still had $100,000. I did say that. 1957, which is more than that, because that's worth probably more than that today. And if yeah, someone wanted and to give I me $100,000 in 2020, I would be good. Yeah. I would be good.
0: And But again, it's something that she thought up, that she came up with. I'm really impressed by that. Like, yeah. It's, it's an idea. Yeah. There was nothing there, and then she came up with this idea and created this life for herself. I hope her descendants I, are so proud of her. This is, am- this is amazing. She's amazing. I know, right? She's really, she's yeah. really
1: incredible. She's way more incredible than I expected her to be when I decided I wanted to like research her. And you're right. I was like, wait a minute, why don't, why don't we all her? know about her?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Along with Madame CJ Walker, like, you know yeah, actually a bunch of black was... women were in the same business and they were millionaires. That's amazing. That's amazing. Right. I
1: mean that that alone is really cool. It's not as oh I invented the one thing and now I'm no, this thing we can all like
0: create an that.
1: empire. And they both created an empire for it, for the same thing. Which is fantastic. And they both employed thousands yeah. and thousands of black women.
0: I mean on the springs is not in a beef with Axe body spray. Well, I mean, maybe maybe they are. But I maybe they. You can are. make You can make But right there's like so sprays. many. Yeah. Crest and um what is a different kind of uh Oh and, man. Um, I don't even know. You're right. Uh Sensodyne and all these other stuff, they can all coexist. Right? Cuz when you go get everybody. your toothpaste,
1: and keep I don't know about you but when I go get my toothpaste I'm literally at the aisle being like what do I what do I use? It's like one of these. And it's, it's totally, not going to matter which one I
0: pick. It's so Colgate or Crest. Yeah, it's so um so many choices but uh now say her name again, Annie A- Annie Malone Turnbow. Wow. As in turn, BO. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. She is Amazing. Isn't this great? I love that. I love that. There's room enough for more than one powerful woman.
1: I think so. And successful ones. We can always have another powerful woman in this world.
0: Because I don't know about you, I have, I have multiple shampoo products, multiple Girl, lotions. I have multiple. I can't keep lotions. up.
1: <laughs> there was a moment, oh I didn't realize how much stuff I had, but Sal was out of town for a little bit and this was years and years ago and a friend of mine stayed with me for like four days Mm -hmm. and so whereas the bathroom seemed reasonable before my girlfriend came to stay with me suddenly it was like all of her stuff in the bathroom and I was like oh yes we're out of hand you know what (laughs) I mean because (laughs) men don't have that much stuff we have so much stuff
0: so it was like
1: Oh yeah, I guess I have a lot of stuff. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, we yeah. do. So there's room for all of us, ladies. Um, that's why we still have to support one another and uplift one another. And thank you so okay. much for uh, sharing that. All right, guys, that wraps yeah. you up for another episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Remember to follow us on all the things. As I'm sure you have a lot yeah. more time on your hands these days at hey. Notorious W M Pod on Facebook. And Twitter, and then Notorious Women Podcast on Instagram, and our Patreon page. If you want to support us, just a dollar, two dollars, two dollars. Uh, you know, a um, dollar for a small hand sanitizer if you can find it. Uh, that's what we call a month. <laughs> you could
1: you could just donate a hand sanitizer. That would be great. Oh yeah, we'll take that. We'll
0: take that. There, yeah,
1: yeah. It's uh, worth five million dollars, so yeah, it
0: is. If you want to become a patron and you want to support us in any way, um, you can go to patreon.com/slash/notoriouswomen and that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash notoriouswomen, um, or you can just uh, give us a, a five star review, you know, or both. That would be you nice and both. like.
1: And you could give the five stars, and then you could say, "Oh my god, I love them so much," or something. Yeah. Maybe be more creative than what I just said, but you know what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs>
0: something we nice it. Yeah. and you guys take care of yourselves we're sending you lots of love and lots of light um and wash your hands stay inside. Wash your hands
1: wash your hands and i, I wrote a wash song you want to hear it here's my yeah. song wash your hands wash your hands wash your <laughs> hand hand wash your hands it's what i sing to my children i thought i would share it with all of you you're welcome
0: oh my god i love it so much All right, guys, on that note, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.